0: What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We have our recap of hybrid showdown 4, which two white lights, Steve Denovi and I, were able to commentate, watch all the action live in person on the amateur and pro day, and it was a lot of fun. We had a blast commentating the meet, watching all these incredible lifters. And we have a great show talking about the top performers, the main storylines of the day. We start off with Hunter Henderson and Samantha Rice. Samantha Rice pulling off a huge upset, but the battle itself was fantastic. We talk about what we saw. We talk about how great it was that that happened at that particular meet and how they're both winners at the end. Might sound cheesy, might sound corny, but we'll give our takes on that. Really great watching those two. We talk about... The men's side, Blake LeHue kind of taking the lead for us is the big highlight. Of course, John Hack doing John Hack things. We talk about that and also Jamal Browner, how his performance yields a pretty good lesson in powerlifting for anyone competing, going through prep, especially at the elite levels. And then we circle back to more of what we really were entertained by, some of the storylines just in our eyes, uh, Christian Scur- having a fantastic day, how she's kind of propelling herself of being just the strongest female in the untested side of powerlifting and also um, just at Flight A and how everyone was able to see these incredible females who were able to potentially get themselves into an elite level and potentially be the next breakout star on the untested side. We also talk about the Two White Lights Favorite Lifters Award, just people we enjoyed seeing from Flight B, um, the Amateur Day as well. Uh, a lot to cover with Hybrid 4. If we didn't mention you, doesn't mean you're not a great lifter. You're a fantastic lifter. We just... <sighs> There was a lot to uh, recap that weekend, so it was awesome to see. Uh, Garrett is definitely moving the sport in the right direction, had all the people, all the right people in the right places. Great seeing that. The live stream was fantastic. We talked a little bit about that as well with A1 Digital and Anna doing a fantastic job. Uh, definitely an improvement from last year, which we had a lot of critiques from. Uh, we also throw in a hot take there about weigh-ins. Of course, it wouldn't be a two-white-lights uh, show without us like rambling about weigh-ins and how they should be done, but... Um, a uh, a friend of ours, and actually an excellent powerlifter, Charlie Binkley, brought up a hot take talking about perhaps uh, not letting lifters compete if they don't make weight. So we talked about that, and we're you know kind of on board with that, um, especially if you listen to the past Two White Lights episodes. And also, we've been toying with this for a while, and we finally have some sort of opportunity to talk about it. But we talk about the scenarios of what happens if tested lifters were able to t- uh, compete with un tested sides rules so 24 hour weigh-ins squat bar deadlift bar um all that good stuff and we talk about that steve does a really good analysis he's been working on this for a while of what percentage change you may see in their total really fun conversation there because overall you know this is our (laughs) <laughs> this is the unofficial USAPL podcast, so we do talk about that stuff, but fantastic, jam-packed episode. Before we get into this episode, got to talk to you guys about Leffler Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to com and get yourself the best powerlifting merchandise in all of the sports. Use discount code 2WL15. It is the best damn promo code for the best damn apparel in powerlifting. Their collections are unmatched. The graphics are unmatched. The designs are unmatched. Everything looks different, and that's why Left Law Bros will make you look good in the gym, outside the gym, and on the platform. They got you covered no matter where you are in powerlifting. Left Law Bros is going to make you look good, and they get you. Looking good from head to toe. Talking about the socks. Talking about some joggers and talking about some t-shirts, hoodies, crew necks, some 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 long sleeve t-shirts as well. Some tank tops. Some dad hats. They got you covered. Use that promo code two W L fifteen. We're also gonna be having two white lights merchandise soon on two white com and. You know, CB and Floor Bros developed a lot of those for us, a lot of those looks, and they look fantastic as well. So get yourself some merch. Use that promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money. Also, make sure you are going to lift on net and get yourself some stoic gear. I wear stoic gear in the gym and on the platform because it is the best. It is quality. It is affordable. The knee sleeves, the singlets, the wrist wraps are all elite. Use promo code ANGELO10 to save yourself some money on already affordable powerlifting gear. So, again, knee sleeves, wrist wraps, stoic gear has got you covered. Oh, yeah, singlet as well. Use promo code ANGELO10 and go to lift.net. Also, go to NotoriousLift.com and get yourself some no-slip trip Notorious Lift slippers. Use promo code ANG15 to make yourself look pretty on the platform and also improve your deadlift. I'm telling you, all of those great, notorious lift slippers that you see will sell out in nanoseconds if you're not up to date on those drops. So sign up for the news drop, use promo code ang 15 save yourself some money at checkout, and also get yourself Some slippers that will match your gym attire, your platform attire. They will get you covered. They will help your deadlift and make you look damn good doing it. Remember that promo code ANCH15, NotoriousLift.com. Also, new sponsor alert, Freshly. Go to Freshly.com and get yourself some good, healthy food. Powerlifters need to eat healthy, too. Powerlifters should be eating healthy. And guess what? You can with Freshly. Use promo code ANG, A-F-F. They shortened it for me, too. That's how nice it is to save $45 on your order. That is a fantastic deal. I've been eating Freshly recently. I feel healthier, and that's good because powerlifters sometimes they go to the gym on some uh, Sour Patch Kids, uh, some donuts, maybe some pizza. It, it It's not good, man. It's not good for your stomach. And also, it's just not good for your health. So go to Freshly.com. Use that promo code ANG, A-N-G-A-F-F at discount or at the uh, checkout to save yourself some money. $45. That's a lot of money. That will help you. Also, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify as well. We are available on both those platforms. Also, we are going to be uploading episodes onto TwoWhiteLights.com. So make sure you are subscribing there. And without further ado, here it is. Two white lights. Oh baby, I like it raw. Yeah, baby, I like it raw. Ooh, baby, I like it raw. Yeah, baby, I like it raw.
1: Shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, y'all. Give me the mic so I can take it away. Off on the natural charge, bon yeah, from the home of the Dodge and, squad. The on the no
0: and as promised, I got with me Steve Denovi and we just got back from Miami and we are going to recap Hybrid Showdown 4, which was a fantastic two days of competition. Steve, how are you recovering since the Miami meet?
1: I'm still a little tired. I'm not going to lie. Um, we had a lot of fun at the meet. We had a lot of fun after. Um, but yeah, we have a lot to talk about. That was a, a very real, well-run meet. I mean, honestly, um, I, we almost got canceled last year from this meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, between kind of, kind of ripping on the live stream, which was not very good, um, and also some of our uh, uh, recaps of certain lifters, and badger. it seems very different this year. we of coming off this also. meet. I honestly, I think a lot more impressed by a lot of the lifting that was going on. Um, even though it kind of an interesting thing, like this meet lived up to the height, yet it was only 24 lifters on that pro day. We actually yeah. had a much smaller roster this year that wasn't quite as deep. Yet at the same time, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that we just had battles that really made this meet just really interesting.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think the small roster actually helped that. It helped the viewability. It helped uh, just being... Live watching the events and also the live stream as well because I think on that pro day we were just entertained from flight A to flight C the entire time because we didn't have a massive four flight meet and we weren't worn down the day before from a massive four flight t- uh, four flight meet as well it was very smooth very efficient throughout the entire time it was entertaining because of that even the amateur day I had a blast watching the amateurs because a lot of those lifters were elite-level lifters, and they're probably going to be in a pro-style meet the the following year. And also, I mean, you know, uh, we've given a lot of credit, and we're probably going to save the credit for a lot, but Garrett knows who exactly to put in the right places where people are going to succeed. The spotting and loading crew, the judging, the organization, of everything. This is my third time, I think, commentating under a Garrett Friedrand meet, and everything is smooth. It's great for the commentators. It's great for the fans. great for the people viewing the live stream. So I think overall it was great, and, um, yeah. I mean, there's probably going to be some more bad journalism on our end um, recapping this meet, but what you said with the battles, the pro day was – incredibly special and it was awesome because flight a there's the thing that those primetime flights are great but when you start off the day that high energy with the biggest battle of the day and I think the biggest storyline of the meet Samantha Reister's Hunter Henderson that was what made the pro day really special for me was those two performers because we got to see everything that we loved from a big powerlifting meet with a lot of hype surrounding it with a lot of big lifters who are competing at it.
1: Yeah. And I think that was actually a phenomenal switch because originally they were going to do the primetime session, which is huge. That should be every single big meet should have a primetime session. No ifs, ands, or buts. That's (laughs) ridiculous if it doesn't. But I actually originally, all the best women and all the best men were going to be in the final flight. That was the original plan, which would have been cool. But I actually liked it how they did it by having all the best women, or really all the women in flight A, and then all the top men in flight C, because it really helped to kind of keep attention throughout the meet. There wasn't really any kind of dull time, which which nothing against the fact that there are some lifters that weren't competing at the same level as Hunter and Samantha and John and Blake and Jamal. But the fact of the matter is, is if you had all of them in flight C, there would have been a little bit of a lag leading up to it especially like people wanting to watch the live stream they would have just been asking when flight c is going to happen when flight c is going to happen instead it was pretty entertaining from beginning to end um and we'll talk about some lifters who are lesser known that were entertaining but yeah in flight a uh we, we hyped up sam versus hunter and uh, that may have been i'm going to say it, that that was the best untested battle i have ever seen
0: yeah uh without question for me i mean it was it was compelling from beginning to end, and it was it was compelling for all the right reasons too. They both had to be perfect. They both had to hit their lifts to stay on track with each other, and they did that up until their eighth attempts. It was beautiful to watch. And then on top of that, you have so many all time world records and nationals being broken along the way where it was incredibly compelling between the two. I mean, it was it was like a it was like a boxing match where it's nonstop action. Until the twelfth round, and then you get the decision, or there's a twelfth round knockout or something. It was dramatic too because we have Samantha Rice, who you picked to win this meet. I had Hunter Henderson in our predictions. By the way, kudos to you. You are the oracle for a reason. And I think initially people were going into this meet thinking, if Hunter Henderson's competing, Hunter Henderson is probably winning, especially if it's raw. And Samantha Rice comes in with an upset. It's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful storyline and also we got to see all of them hit their lips. I mean, if it would have been one thing if they all, well, you know, went 5 for 9 or 6 for 9 and it was still a battle and it's you're still watching the miss lifts, but they they didn't. They both had fan- phenomenal days that they both should be proud of and in my opinion, it's going to sound like cheesy and corny, but they're both winners in my eyes. Very similar to, I mean, I made yeah. the I made the uh comparison to a boxing match when two boxers put their Lives on the line or when they're fighting up until the very last bell, the fans don't care who wins. They're just happy that they got a show put on for them. And that was that was kind of like for me where, you know, Samantha ended up winning. It's a great underdog story. But I think both of them won because they had such a great performance and they did so many special things throughout the meet and they made it entertaining for the fans.
1: Yep. I do want to say one thing, because as you were talking, I remembered never. I can't forget this. Mariana versus Steffi. Yeah. I, I don't know if I can quite say that this beats Mar- that, that. They're one A and one B in the sense of battles. They were both yeah. phenomenal, but don't want to forget Mariana versus Steffi. That was one of the the all time best too. Um, but you kind of mentioned one thing again. Untested has had a couple issues. One, there's never any close battles, and. If there is, they're like entirely different weight classes. And now Samantha and and Hunter weren't the same weight class, but they were close enough that it it made it still interesting, even though it was based off the dots. And then two, the other issue with untested is people tend to cut so much that they go five for nine and six for nine. And it's basically like who does who who is like tries to save the worst performance and doesn't and like hits a couple lifts. Versus who had the best performance, which was them. They, they both had phenomenal performances. And it was just Samantha who just had one extra pull on, on Hunter that was able to eke it out. So, um, yeah, just phenomenal on both of them. And I, I, for someone who has at least coached these battles and had lifters not come out on top, I almost find it more fun when I get to coach someone who loses and gets second than someone who gets first. And it's just kind of like them in their own world, and it's there's nothing really to do with it. And I, I think you might be able to say the same. You've got yeah. you you've gotten third at nationals, which is not your goal, but that was probably more fun for you almost to an extent than if you had always just get first and it, there's never any kind of competition there.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, nationals was. The, you know, the pinnacle meet for me, and it was because I got to pull for the win and I had to hit all my lifts, and all, all my lifts had to be important. And same thing with Hunter and Samantha. The entire day, they had to hit their lifts, and they executed beautifully. And really, you, don't, you definitely don't expect anything different from Hunter, but then you have the, the, the showcase of a rising star in the sport. Actually, I think it's absolutely risen, is Samantha Rice. Brings home $20,000 and beats a legend. In, in powerlifting and another point that you brought up there, we and then we all got we all got to see Flight A for what it was, and then I get to watch some really great professional females go as those two are going and it just it added to the the enthusiasm of a meet. I just it was it was incredible to watch. And um I believe Samantha, you, you're the you're the numbers guy. You know, you're gonna get a lot of bad journalism on my end when we talk about numbers because I cannot remember you know all-time world records and records for the life of me, but Samantha ended up breaking the all-time world record total, correct? In ninety kilos,
1: De- deadlift and total. I, I, I'm I'm going to have some of the numbers wrong too because it's not on open powerlifting yet. So I'm trying to think in my head. Um, I know what the deadlift was. It was two seventy three, which was six hundred three, um, I believe, um, or six hundred two or something like that. She chipped. She chipped the all-time world record, a national record, uh, and that was also to give her the all-time world record total. So. Um, yeah
0: yeah and that's huge. I mean that's huge right there, and I think you took it from C.C. Holcomb if i 'm not wrong, which is a legend we had a post uh post meet interview, which was very awesome to do by the way i gotta give a huge shout out to Garrett and uh a one Digital for that that was special for me not for you because you know you weren't you weren't involved in it sorry sorry Steve. oh no
1: it was special for it was special for me because of the memes <laughs> that ensued afterwards it was very special All right, for
0: me fine we'll fucking talk about that later i guess
1: but uh, i have that saved and i'm going to post that once a month for the next year <laughs> never forget oh yeah oh, never yeah. forget
0: it's already posted five times a day in every group chat that i'm in if i'm certain talking shit they just bring up john hack not fist bumping me to shut me up for a little bit
1: i i'm I'm going on a tangent, but I made a mistake. Hack was on my flight home. I should—I saw him. I oh, should have really? gotten my phone out and made a video of me fist bumping him on the plane. I—I—I I, I, I didn't w- do that, and I'm really—I was really disappointed as soon was, as I sat down.
0: It would have been funny if he just fist bumped the entire plane, it, <laughs> just just left <laughs> no one hanging. Just fist bumped the entire plane. But uh, yeah, that um, I and I actually we had a conversation uh, with a lot of people um, in organizing the flights. You know, and they—that was one of the great parts of the meet too—is just them understanding how to uh, get the attention of powerlifting fans and the viewers of the live stream. They put it in the beginning, and it was—you know—I I compared it to like a wrestling match or like a big wrestling event. The crowd's really into it at the beginning, and you want to get—you so, want to get your talent out there first. Maybe you save that main event, but you want to get something that excites the crowd because it's you know, powerlifting meets are long and they drag out and I couldn't have asked her something better. Um, and talking to Hunter one, she is the sweetest human being ever. Um, it was very nice talking to her in that interview, but I mean, <laughs> going even a, in the post meet interview, the goals that she has for herself after this meet wants to do another meet, but also wants to get into the Olympia as well. And both of them have these high, high, uh, high goals for themselves. And, it's, I think this, this battle is why we look – why two white lights look forward to uh, friendly competition and battles, because it elevates the entire sport. It elevates others. Hunter's going to try to do something that's unprecedented to be an Olympia athlete and also a powerlifting champion, and Samantha Rice is going to try to pay, pave the way, break more records, win some more money, create those battles going forward. It, it, it's a, a special, special time in powerlifting right now. Wait, starting off 22, 2022, really really strong,
1: yep. Um, and I would bet I would be interested to see. I could almost guarantee this um, with A one Digital the team the team that did the live stream. I bet if they went and looked at past live streams versus this one and saw kind of average viewership throughout, um, it was more steady. This meet. Yeah, um, I didn't see when I was kind of checking the, the numbers watching I didn't ever really see huge dips even when we did the interviews because that's a big thing we, we had those interviews in there um, in between those bigger breaks and that helped to kind of keep attention so people weren't kind of tuning out and just waiting to come back when Jamal was going to deadlift or whatnot um, so that that was really big of understanding like there, there's more to just like having a meet uh, prioritizing the kind of a, uh, like these the schedule of the roster and how you fill those dull times um, to be able to keep attention is huge to make it viewer friendly and keep everyone's attention. Just make it exciting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was, yeah, that was, um, that was a terrific move on their part. And yeah, you had Samantha Rice bringing out $20,000 and then onto the men's side. I think the lead here, in my opinion, was a, a battle between hack Blake LeHue, and Jamal Browner. Of course, hack pulls away, but I got to, th- I got to put Blake in the lead here. Eight for nine performance. Pulling 841 and also breaking the all-time world record at 181 was the highlight for me on the men's side. Because on the men's side, you expect Hack to win. Hack could win meets on a bad meet, and this is exactly what happened. He had a bad meet, he had a down meet, still broke all the fucking records in powerlifting, and won $20,000. But Blake LeHue to me was special. Because we always talk about what if Blake hits his lifts. What happens if he goes 8-for-9 or 9-for-9? Well, (laughs) this is what happens. And I seriously think there's nothing he can't deadlift. If you put it on the bar, there is a chance that Blake is going to deadlift it. There's a chance he's going to miss it, too, because he did miss his opener. Um, I believe there was an issue with the spotter there uh, potentially getting too close. But he does lose his balance a lot on his deadlifts, and it has happened with his openers many, and many times in his career. So he misses his opener he makes his big jump, and then when he put in that number, 841, we're just like, well, he's putting that as a placeholder. Then he keeps it on the bar, and he obliterates the old all-time world record in a full power meet from John Hack in a raw competition at 800. And, again, he's the wild card for a reason. You don't know what you're going to get, and that's what you get, and it was beyond special. And also, on top of that, I don't know what's more impressive, that or a 500 bench from the guy who has the best build for deadlift I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, he definitely had the performance on the meet, on the men's side. And honestly, that total with John hit. I mean, I, we, we kind of figured that was, I don't want to say unbreakable, but I do not think anyone expected no. it to be broken this soon. I remember, like,
0: I remember the day he did it. I was, I was in disbelief. I posted on my story and John Hack viewed it and I was really psyched. It was twenty. Yeah, it was. It was. A, it was an early fanboy moment. I didn't think anyone will come close to two K at one eighty one.
1: And you know what? Let me confirm this real quick.
0: What are you confirming?
1: Oh, that changed. I was trying to see here. Okay, no, never mind. It changes it. Um, Blake. It, I was seeing. So Blake LeHue is now the one eighty one world record holder for all time best total. Um, he was at one point the all-time world record holder at 165 too. He's not anymore. I wanted to see he held a dual weight class at the same time. Taylor holds it now, regardless of federation and whatnot. But Blake did hold the 165 record, and now he holds the 181 record. Which that I mean, like he, he I would call him even after this meet probably underrated, considering the fact that he's one of very few people who is a world record holder at some point in time in multiple weight classes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and he's a guy who's been there and done it all, and um, in in powerlifting, and he's he's done in multiple weight classes, done in multiple federations. We talked about in the live stream, and uh, I'm I'm just envious of that 500 pound ben, uh, bench press, though. Like you look at him, he is not a guy who you expect benches 500 pounds, and it's not because of his. It, well, it's not because of the mass on his body. He's a well put together dude. It's his leverages. You just look at him like, oh, deadlift. This guy can deadlift, and no, he's a what he said to me on the post-me interviews, he is a total specialist. He is a powerlifting specialist, and yeah, massive, massive kudos to Blakely Hugh. He has made a massive fan out of me, and I'm re—I always said he's like one of the most entertaining powerlifters to watch because you never know what you're gonna get from him. And it was a such a Blakely Hugh performance—grinders all over the place, big lifts. And was able to get himself in second place with a massive pull. Awesome, awesome job from him. And you know what? You know, Hack, again, he's unbelievable. There's not enough compliments you can give John Hack. If he would have missed that second squat and he would have won one for three on squats, Blake Hugh could have possibly won that meet. And it was it was a down meet for Hack. It was it was the only time I've ever seen him make lifts look hard. There's some technical issues that he has, but he was he was struggling a bit throughout the day
1: yeah I think bench was the only lift that seemed to really go well um, which I think he said on his story he hasn't missed a am looking down he hasn't missed a bench since 2016 and that's absolutely insane <laughs> oh <my> um, God.
0: <laughs> that's a that's unbelievable
1: yeah he's gone one he's I can't I don't even count him it's like 13 meets without missing a bench press that is not, that's that's not even I I, I can't even – comprehend that um but yeah um his opening squat looked good but as you kind of learned on the uh interview with him uh, apparently he wasn't used to that new texas power bar i know uh garrett made some stories about the not texas power bar squat bar um garrett made some stories on it not being a huge fan of it so they they likely will change that it seemed to definitely affect them mm-hmm. um and i don't know if that kind of came around to then affecting Deadlifts. but i think he said whether it was to you or he had mentioned somewhere else uh, I think he mentioned to me uh, actually on the plane, real quick that just, it just never felt right in the warrant room from the get go. Like he, he just kind of knew deadlift wasn't going to be on par that day. So he just kind of had to take what he needed to kind of win. Um, but I mean, that's just how good he is. Um, yeah. He can have a, a six for nine meet or seven for nine, six, seven six for, for nine. nine. Yeah. Six for
0: nine. I thought six he for I think nine. was six. Yeah. Because yeah, he had one deadlift.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. Cause the, the, yeah. The, the opening deadlift six for nine meet. Um, and still, I mean, Blake would have had to pull, I think, 900 or something ridiculous to have beaten him. So, Which I don't think um, is
0: out of the possibility based on how Blake deadlifts. <coughs> I did not think he was going to get 821 yeah, I mean, that who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, might as, I mean, might as well make it. He told me, I was Dmitry Dimitri Naz- Nazanov has like the crazy deadlift at 181. Like, that's a crazy, that's like the most unbeatable record. And I think we were joking around a Ghost the day before that no one's touching him. I I don't know, Blake. Based on just his deadlift and how like how it swings from 716 to apparently now his top end is 841 maybe in a few years you'll see him up at that list um uh yeah and uh with John Hack too well you mentioned his bench press um that was definitely his best lift of the day also because we have to mention the light up shoes he um he told <laughs> I mean, he he shared some information that he was hoping just to have the light-up shoes so the judges will look more towards the shoes and not his butt because he was having a little bit of issues keeping his butt on the bench. So you can throw John Hack and his master strategist on top of that. Distracting the judges, deception, that's another thing John Hack uh, excels at
1: it 100% works because as we talked about on the stream uh we barely watched the second bench press because that's when we realized the mm-hmm. shoes did light up and we just wanted to, to to see those that's all we cared about
0: yeah for sure and you know what i mean um we'll get to we'll we'll go back to round to the uh to the women's side as well we're just kind of covering the main storylines i think because of the chat i mean the chat was a very pro Jamal Browner chat, and it's it's kind of crazy. It's um, I think he's the more most popular lifter on the untested side. I mean, there, of course, Captain America's up there, uh, John Hack, but based on that chat, um, Jamal Browner was Hi. the most popular person uh, on the chat because he just comments Hi. after comments after comments of when he was competing and also when he got into the platform. You see the the chat explode. Had to talk about his performance as well and. I think this is it's a, it's a meet that is, teaches people a lot of lessons about powerlifting and training and peaking and prepping for a powerlifting meet. Sometimes your prep isn't good and you have some injuries and you can't get under a squat bar until five weeks out of your meets and you have to adjust from there because when you have an SBD day, your other lifts are going to be affected. And I think that was Jamal Browner's meet. You know, he was battling some injuries, apparently, from the showdown to now. He didn't get under a bar for squat until five weeks out from the meet. And that's going to affect him. And he actually did a very good job on squat. But it's it's so difficult to not be used to an SBD day, which he wasn't, up until the meet. And then expect to pull a 1,000, which uh, people anticipated this was a meet he was going to do it at.
1: Yeah. Um and I, I think I could confidently say I think Jamal's deadlift is the biggest pull in powerlifting. Not that, that that's a that's a play on words. I mean literally like meaning like biggest draw yeah. in powerlifting. That's probably the better yeah. way to put it. Yeah. I think his deadlift is the biggest draw in powerlifting. Um there there's nothing else more people want to see. Um, especially after how close it was at the showdown. Um, but yeah, we, we learned that I think we kind of already knew this to an extent, his training leading up wasn't the best. I was surprised the more I learned about that, that he went as aggressive on squat because mm-hmm. he actually did try to go for a PR. I'm surprised he didn't kind of pull back and save it a little bit there and just kind of try and build his total. Cause I think he did mention to you, he, he kind of was prioritizing kind of uh, hitting a PR total at this meet, which is still very possible because um, he did hit, I assume likely because he couldn't uh squat very much. He hit a pretty good PR bench press because usually it's the opposite. His squats going well, but then it really is going to affect his bench because of just the low bar position. Uh, but he did hit a nice bench press. And I believe off a subtotal, it actually kind of canceled out where he was even where if he had hit that final deadlift, he was going to be hitting a big PR total, but yeah, it just wasn't quite there. And then it's still a really good show, but that was something where we kind of saw as we were going through, we kind of knew hack had kind of separated himself by deadlift time. But as soon as, uh, uh, jamal missed that second deadlift that's when uh uh blake went and changed his attempt because he had 370 i believe in there yeah um because that's what he was going to need to then chip jamal based off of dots to move in the second and as soon as jamal missed that um likely blake was assuming um, that he wasn't going to be coming back around to be able to pull that um, that's when Blake threw up three eighty two point five, pulled that, and then we got the show. So a lot of things had to kind of play into play into the cards that Blake was actually going to put that on the bar in his third attempt.
0: Yeah, and I think I've said this a lot with Jamal's uh, deadlift in general. It's it's something that people expect in powerlifting, and it's ridiculous to expect someone to consistently pull nine seventy two and above. Like he did set that record at Hybrid, I believe, two years ago, and. It's a lift that's extremely difficult. Out of all the lifts in powerlifting, that's the most difficult one to replicate. It's the highest deadlift in a full power meet ever accomplished. People expecting to him to chip that and have an easy time chipping it are insane. You are you are insane if you think that's possible every single time. It is very hard to replicate. The deadlift bar is not forgiving with over 900 pounds. Uh, I'm saying like that, like I know from experience. But it's just the deadlift bar becomes a bit of an enemy. It's kind of the pendulum turns when you get to certain weight over the bar because you have to control how much the bar moves at lockout. Um, that's kind of what I saw with his deadlift as well. It's just something difficult. I don't. I mean, I'm fully confident that he, him, and or Dan are going to pull a thousand in twenty twenty two. I'm very confident of that. It's just who does it first. And if they do it on the same day, that'll be fantastic as well. And I'll be very excited to see that. But uh yeah, that's I guess that's uh Jamal's meat in a nutshell and also a, a good lesson to power lifters out there. Like this occasionally happens. And Jamal is a mature lifter. He is he is a mature guy. Like he he knows what's Coming from a prep like he's had, and he handled it. He had to handle it, and it will, we'll see him back to the showdown, too, because that's part of the maturity. He's taking a long break. He's going to try to, like, really put together that total, take a big break until September when the showdown happens, and I'm, I'm, I will bet a lot of money that he is going to have a much, much better performance.
1: Yeah. And honestly, just the fact that he's made this many runs at it is pretty impressive because I think we see on the untested side due to a lot of different variables. A lot of times we see someone kind of hit these big lifts and that's kind of that's it. Like they do it once they peek out and then they kind of fizzle from there because it kind of the variables that led into it. Um, kind of, I mean, I, I don't think this is a necessarily true statement, but some people kind of say you only have so many, let's say, a thousand pound squats in your life. Uh, you got to save them for a certain time. I don't necessarily think he has only so many. I don't think that's necessarily personally true, like 100%. Like, but, you tend to hit kind of this peak very few times. And the fact that he's been able to get close to that, I mean, honestly, he he probably, if it wasn't for, I believe his hand tore on uh, the second attempt, he probably had the strength for 973 on the day. He didn't have strength for a thousand. I don't think that 973 did not move the best it has. He probably had that if his hand didn't tear, but the fact that he's able to hold that level of performance consistently is incredible.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that was his goal going in. I, after a squad, I talked to him and that was just for him to hit and chip his deadlift record, which would be in a massive accomplishment. It there's almost this thing. It's like a thousand pounds or bust, which is such a stupid ass comment or like a dumb take. Like no, it's 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 way it's really impressive if he goes above 972, even if it's a chip above it. Like it's an incredible feat of strength, and it's I think one of the best feats in strength and powerlifting history. Is that I mean, it's all time deadlift. It's no one attempts more. Uh, tonnage in a meet than Jamal Browner, um, and we'll see him on the platform in September. Very excited to see him, and of course, you know, I think it's, I think he, he's a mature enough lifter where he's going to recover in his training. Um, now, uh, now on to just some stuff that we saw throughout the meet that really surprised us, or even um, that we were just entertained by. Going back to flight A, I just love that flight. It was very great to. I mean, like we said with the, uh, Samantha and Hunter, kind of bringing spotlight to other pro level lifters. Uh, Kirsten Skerlock is one lifter I really enjoy watching. She had a bad meet in her eyes, but still was able to break all time world record. And also, I think she's kind of cementing herself as a person who could move the most amount of weight. In it's going to be very hard for her on dots and you know whatever formula, but she is could cement herself as just the strongest like the strongest lifter um in the female side of untested powerlifting. Yeah.
1: Um and one thing that was interesting too, I still don't know fully what the records are because this was the first uh meet with the new weight classes. So she was she was actually a light 100 kilo lifter because I think she weighed in at maybe it was 202 and the the weight class is 220, maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm not I'm not 100% positive there. I could be wrong um, or maybe she was at 102 or maybe she was at 102 kilos and the weight class was 110, something like that, whatever she was like, I don't fully understand the weight, the, how the records are going to be set out. Cause we don't have them on open power. I think that's kind of our thing. But, um, the fact of the matter is, is she was going for a 600 pound squat and the biggest raw squat, regardless of weight classes in general is April Mathis at 615. Um, and Kirsten is knocking on the door of that if she doesn't do it her next meet, she's going to do it very soon. I, I, from here talking to her coach, I don't want to give away too much. I believe her next meet, she's actually doing a meet in a month she's doing a raft meet. So they didn't fully peak for this meet Um, because the big goal is the wrap squad at the next meet. So she hadn't fully peaked. So even within that um, I I think next time around, when we see her back in sleeves um, I think she's probably going to nail 600 because it was really, really close to being there. Um, and once she does that, along with the fact that she has a really good deadlift to go along with it, um, yeah, she could, she could argue, she could very well make a run at kind of one of the, the highest totals of all time.
0: Yeah. I'm very excited to see her and she's been good for such a long time. She's an excellent lifter. I am on, 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 the live stream, you know, uh, commented just a great platform executor. Um, I don't know. I might have to come up with a better termage for that, but, uh, it's very fun to watch. You know she's doing. I, b- I believe that meets Ghost Clash, right? If I'm not mistaken, she's going to be doing the Ghost Clash next month. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, that was the meet. Um, that's going to be in wrap. So, of course, excited to see her uh, compete there. That's going to be a fantastic spotlight meet for her. Um, and then really in flight A, I we talk about. You know, we talked about like how uh, Chad Pence had made a name for himself at the Hybrid, in spite of him being strong the years prior. I think, I think Whitney Baxley is going to take a next step into being in those conversations and being within the top three very soon. I, I think she's got the leverages and the strength for everything. And also Angelina Bennett. Angelina Bennett, to me, is a beast. Like the way she's built and the way she lifts, I think she could be a phenomenal lifter. And again, we're always looking for that next rising star. Um, I think she could take that next step. Maria Ramos is really fun to watch too. Only 48 kilo lifter there, and he loved to see those 48 kilo lifters just move a ton of weight and also a lot of composure from both Maria and Angelina. They both miss lifts, but in my opinion, had eight for nine, nine for nine type days.
1: Yeah, Whitney in particular, I think, I think both of us maybe chose her for top five for showdown. Um, and as we talked about on the live stream multiple times, she just didn't have the meat she was looking for at the showdown. It was, it was decently under what her trading lists were. Um, and this was the meat where it kind of came all together. I'm pretty sure for the most part, looking at all the things that I think we thought she was going to do at the showdown, she did that. And even a little bit more. Um, so it was really good to see her kind of be able to put that all together on the platform. And then we kind of, we were talking about uh, for, for, it was a little bit of an understory, but the Maria Angelina showdown um, was, was fun. It, that went all the way into the last deadlift of who was going to win there. And Maria ended up pulling for fifth place, uh, which didn't have any money or anything aligned with it, but just kind of thinking of top five and kind of saying that um, that was kind of Maria's way to kind of pull over Angelina. And that was really fun to kind of, I don't know if she was planning to do that, if that was strategic, but she did. And I think she beat uh, Angelina by two dot points uh, with that last pull.
0: Yeah. You know what? I mean, that's, again, that's still a compelling thing. Like, I enjoy watching that as opposed to just someone kind of coasting. Um, a lot of these meets gets a reputation of being showcase meets. meets and showkeep, showcase meets are cool, but I always like seeing people try to outplace each other. And, and it's always fun to see that. Um, I mean, Flight B, the, the the kind of the wild card. Unless you have something to mention there uh, for flight A, Steve.
1: Yeah, I'm going to throw out one more thing because we'll throw out, we're going to talk a little bit about Saturday because Saturday was the amateur day, but we had at least two to three men and women that were very competitive on the pro day. I'm pretty, again, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm pretty sure the battle we had with Christy Castellano and Jordan, I think it's Noe. um, I think both of them would have been fifth and sixth at the pro day.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, they were great. Yeah, Um, they were were fantastic on that amateur day.
1: And I did find out because I saw the post um, from her and her coach, uh, what happened with Chrissy, because she was having like the perfect day and then deadlifts just kind of were weird. Apparently her hand uh, got swollen um, and swelled up and she was having trouble gripping the bar.
0: Okay, I also saw this on her post and I didn't want to mention on the live stream because I didn't want, you know, to get canceled for this comment. Her nails were fabulous. They looked a little long. I was a little scared of gripping the bar with those type of nails. I believe if we look at her, I believe if we look at their caption, I'm actually going to look at them now so I don't get canceled on the podcast again. But I think I just looked. I'm like, those are some pretty long nails. And I don't know how it feels to deadlift with long nails, but I feel like it'll be hard gripping the bar. Um, she did say it, did, it didn't help that, but I didn't know her hand was swelling as well. I remember seeing yeah, live like it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty boss move to have those type of nails. But I'm like, I don't I don't know how easy it is to grip a bar.
1: But that was but both Jordan and Chrissy, I believe it was two years since they last competed. Yeah. Um, so that's huge for I mean, and I believe both massive meat PRs over are. Uh, Jordan, I think, was pretty much matching what she did. I think Chrissy was a pretty huge meet PR for what she did before. But like I said, I'm pretty sure if you take those two, they're fifth and sixth behind Whitney on the pro day. So we had some pretty phenomenal lifting on that on that amateur day, um, even though it wasn't hyped up in the same manner.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it t- tends to happen. But I mean, that's that's kind of why I love the sport, you know? It's when we get to view the amateur days and people trying to people getting psyched just to hit personal best for them and compete on that day. Like, I think we get so bogged down in the um, in the elite levels of powerlifting and, you know, and media coverage and you know, just as lifters ourselves. Um, you forget about that, and it actually makes the sport awesome when people have those type of goals and when they're competing. Not for $20,000, you're just competing to win. Like, that, that to me is awesome, and that's – I mean, that, the amateur day – was was very fun from um, from a spectating uh, standpoint as well and uh the, yeah and those and really it, it came down to a pull for the win scenario there um also um um a uh, torn adductor too from the winner of that day uh from the female side
1: she Oh yeah her. Jordan oh, I know, yeah I
0: don't know if she tore it I I mean I could be spec. that could be some bad journalism there but <laughs> yeah All right, yeah so we were kind of also, figuring really it, quick it? i'm gonna interrupt so she said yes my nails and my nails did not help here either with the cry face emoji on our caption so i'm not wrong about that got Ooh, it. save myself all right awesome
1: <laughs> okay yeah jordan uh her her opening squat looked super easy and then kind of out of nowhere she failed that second squat so uh i kind of had mentioned on the live stream i wonder if she had gotten hurt and then she came out and hit those poles, I was like, oh, I guess she wasn't hurt. Mm-hmm. And actually she was. It just wasn't affecting her deadlift in the same way, likely, because adductor, it, it can affect a conventional deadlift, but not nearly, not as much as a sumo deadlift. But the fact she was able to grip through that and be able to put that together that performance. And like I said, we were not expecting her to have a pull for the win. We thought Christy kind of had it locked up and Jordan came out of nowhere. Um, and I think she finished like a four four 496 dots. Mm-hmm. I think it was, which again, like I said, I mean, that was highly, highly competitive on that pro day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um also uh <coughs> I, I with uh the flight B which was entertaining uh because it just had some quality lifters for the uh the pro day. Um Shane Dewey, I think or not not Shane. I I apologize. Sean Dewey, he took the um the pro day's two white lights inaugural uh unofficial award of just favorite lifter because I just really enjoyed watching him lift and also there were some master lifters on that day, master age class lifters on that day, some big, angry, heavy hitters from Flight B and C in the Masters Division. That was awesome to see. I mean, for me, uh, Shane Dewey stuck out because I just liked his technique and the weight he was moving was ridiculous. And then I had some people like um, message me like, yeah, I followed that guy for a long time. He is obviously relatively low-key, but he's just a beast and it's fun watching him lift. I'm like, see, told you, I think that's immediately what I saw. Then you saw Chris Jones, senior um, just move incredible amounts of weight and be, I think 44 years of age. Uh, then flight C you had Brad Crawford. Like it, it was, it was really entertaining to watch those guys lift.
1: Yeah. Um And then Sean, we found out as a two white lights listener. So shout out to him. Hopefully he's listening to this episode. Yeah. Really fun to watch him. I mean, for me, because uh, I didn't know much about him, I wouldn't have been hyping him up too much if it wasn't for Garrett telling us to, to watch out for him. But Marco Galindo ended yeah. up getting fourth overall. Um, he was the highlight of Flight B. Um, I mean, based on his performance, was deserving to be in that primetime flight since he he fairly easily, I believe, had that fourth place locked up. So fantastic day there. Dordley Edward even though he had a little bit of a hiccup on his squats i mean um, also we got to describe around.
0: we got to describe that hiccup it wasn't a technique thing i think he just showed up to the meet late and had to take 135 and had to take 600 on the platform and hit he i mean yeah. pretty much i mean he was an 8 for 8 day because he didn't he timed out on his first attempt i mean he was disappointed in his performance i'm like dude you were perfect the entire day and made his lifts really look effortless just I don't know a, a, a hiccup, not in the sense of a powerlifting mistake. Just, uh, I don't know what it was. just getting to the meet late or possibly not knowing what flight you're in, but he had himself a fantastic day. And also Steve Denovi, did you yeah. know that he's a junior 93 kg national, junior national champion?
1: I did. I happened to have someone in that same flight with him that day. Oh, I remember very well Crazy. because he pulled and then Bob Matthews pulled but for some reason, Bob Matthews didn't go two and a half kilos more, which would have won it for Bob Matthews. Um, sorry if Bob Matthews is listening. I'm bringing up bad memories. But yes, Bob Matthews had a chance to pull for the win, but he put the wrong weight on the bar or something happened there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the impressive thing about Dordley too, um, he, he didn't place the top five by any means, but he's highly competitive in this meet. And he's a drug tested lifter. I, I don't I, I'm not sure on the men's side if there's anyone else who competes on the drug tested side as well or can uh, but Dordley does. And the fact that he is putting up the weights that he does um, while being drug tested is, is pretty incredible.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know for a fact, people are trying to lure him into that hundred kilo weight class. They're trying to lure him into the USAPL's hundred kilo weight class. People really want to see that in the hundred kilo weight class. And I mean, I think a few guys, I mean, a guy you just mentioned, Bob Matthews, definitely Brandon Petrie there too. And just to, just to meet, those guys, I mean, of course, of course, we're going to go back to the USAPL, right? Like this is a, this is the unofficial podcast of the USAPL, but yeah, we, we want Dwarley in the USAPL and see what he can do at hundred kilos. Like we are praying for the day he comes back to the USAPL. So hopefully that comes soon and hopefully to add to that really fun stacked hundred kilo weight class um, yeah, and you Mar- uh, mentioned Marco Galindo. Excellent uh, catch there! Fantastic lifter, really fun watching him lift. Just a beast, absolutely beastly lifter. Beautiful pull. Um, had almost had a little date there with eight hundred, but um, it didn't it didn't quite fly for him. Just, uh, but it's still a fantastic day. Um, and I mean, for, uh, from, flight, from from flight from flight C, uh, Griffin Uhl, I think took like the fan favorite award. That guy is a crazy, crazy bastard. The best thing about him is during his deadlifts where they had the excellent camera angles by A1 Digital. This is why livestream's fantastic in getting the back. You can see his facial expressions. You can see him getting pumped up. People went through puberty for a second time. I went through puberty for the first time because I didn't fully hit it the first time. But <laughs> I went through puberty was watching that guy lift. It was intense, but also the great part of it is when you see his head... More of it got filled with chalk as the day went on. Like, first, second, third deadlift, more of his head was filled with chalk. It was first on his eyes, then it was on his forehead, then, like, his entire face was covered with chalk. And his deadlift set up the way he pulled, I think everyone was a fan. Oh, yeah, and of course, if you look at the guy, he's strong as all fuck.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, come deadlifts, he was extremely entertaining, and not just entertaining, I believe he pulled 880. Am I correct on that? <laughs>
0: i i gotta i gotta actually check i don't wanna i don't wanna i think he i don't I'll, want to I'll, uh miss miss uh give people or, or uh misrepresent this, some weights yep
1: uh 400 sweet sweet i've been chasing this number ever since i first pulled this was one of the best deadlift flights in the history of yeah Power. yeah we failed to mention that we had we had him pull 880 we had marcus leone pull i believe 890 John pulled eight seventy something, which he could have pulled nine hundred possibly if he wasn't if he was feeling up to it and this he didn't hurt his hamstring. We had Jamal pull nine twenty, attempt nine seventy. We had Blake pull eight forty one. We had uh, Brad Crawford pull nine oh nine, and unfortunately tear his bicep at lockout, yet still hold on to it. Um, and then I think there was one other one too, maybe. Chris Bridgeford pulled 840.
0: Yeah. Also, great to see him back on the platform. I um That was I'm mean, something that and stuck out for me. A, and hit a
1: and PR total from him, not yeah. just back in the platform. Oh, PR he total. looked – But, yeah, that was, I <clears> throat> throat> that was one of the greatest deadlift flights I've ever seen.
0: Oh, absolutely. And we talked about during the live stream. It had the potential to be the greatest – I'm mean, deadlift flight in powerlifting history. If someone could find me something better, um, I'll I'll check out to see if there's a live stream or archive live stream for it. But uh, Chris Bridgeford, you know, he looked great and it was great to see him uh, back on the platform. I mean, the last time I saw him, you know, it was, it was like months after that quad tear. And it, it's like it, when you see someone go through a bad injury, like he did, cause it was bad. Um, I had him on the podcast. We talked about it. If you guys want to watch that video, you guys can maybe search it. it. It was a brutal, brutal quad tear. And to see him back on the platform and put together numbers again, it's awesome to see. And I've always been a big fan of Chris Bridgeford, and it's awesome to see him um, just back on the platform. It's also to see, it's just great to see in the sport. Um, whenever you see a lifter get back into platform shape and compete at a high level after being out for a bit. Um, I know this wasn't his return meet. He did compete prior, but... It was just it, I never got to see him lift in person, and it was great to see him lift in person also um simon Chang sneaky strong uh seventy six kilo i mean what he weighing seventy six kilos and you know and was at that flight c pro yep. day and you know throw up some really heavy numbers there
1: <clears throat> yeah, he had a really really good day um. Yeah, uh, it, it kind of got semi overshadowed just because it almost it almost felt weird having him in that flight because it was mainly a bunch of heavy, like heavier lifters. Um, so he was constantly leading off the flight. Um, but I think he put together an eight for nine day um, and was really, really close to that third deadlift, which would have given him, I believe, a pretty big PR total overall.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a brilliant day of lifting on the pro and amateur day. And of course, the two white lights. Uh, favorite lifter of the day, your client, Drew Thompson, on the amateur day. I mean, everyone loves watching him lift on all three lifts because he's technically proficient on three, but he has kind of a unique thing on all of his lifts. One, he just has a massive bench press. Like, it's amazing to watch him bench press. His squat is tempoed and then sunk to the absolute lowest degree. Like, you can't get any lower on his squat. And then his famous 45-second deadlift where – the slack pull lasts longer than the meat itself. It's very fun to watch Drew Thompson compete. That was my, uh, that was, that was the award for lifter today on the amateur side for me.
1: Yeah. Him and Dakota Shepard were in a pretty close battle all day. And both of them, again, I think uh, Drew was probably like a five 20 ish dots. I think, Dakota maybe have been like 534 or something around there. Either way, both would have been very competitive and very well-deserving to be on the pro day too. Um, Dakota, I believe, pulled a national record and then tried to go for, or maybe maybe he, he was going the fourth attempt was for a national record, but um, he pulled, I believe he pulled, did he pull 800 on his third attempt and then went up or is 800 his fourth attempt?
0: Uh, 782 and then 811 on his fourth attempt for the, okay. for the national record.
1: Got it. But yeah, if you want to see one of the craziest deadlifts though, I'm going back to Drew, go to my profile and look at the one I just posted on Drew. Um, it literally takes about five seconds to break off the floor and that's starting on the first attempt, like six RPE. It'll take five seconds to break off the floor and then it just flies up. And as soon as it, as soon as it moves, you know, he's going to lock it out. It's just, it moves. Um, it's pretty crazy to watch. And he had a perfect day. Um, honestly what he's, he came back from three years of not being able to really lift because of his knees, um, I shouldn't say not be able to lift, but he couldn't. He couldn't put together any kind of type of total that was going to PR. Um, so yeah, he had he had a absolutely perfect and phenomenal day, and like spot on for what we were expecting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, like we said, uh, it was entertaining from the amateur day and all flights the pro day. A fantastic meet to be a part of. Um, why, yeah, I just like it was uh everything that lived. Lived up to be and lived up to be described from Garrett. Uh, Garrett told me about the meet and wanted me to commentate, and I was pretty excited to do that. And the uh, all the things that we said bad about the hybrid meet last year, they've improved it tenfold. The live stream from A1Digital... And uh, Anna was fantastic. The meet was organized. It was smooth. And we got to see some amazing lifting. So, I mean, if we fail to mention your name, that doesn't mean that you're not a great power lifter. You're a fucking fantastic powerlifter. And we were entertained by each and every one of you on the amateur bro day. But can't mention everyone because there was so much goddamn action going on.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, just a fantastic day all around. And if people didn't know, I was a late addition. I think like a week and a half out, Garrett messaged me because yeah, uh, be he Garrett. had some he had some shortage of volunteers. So he flew me out as well. Um, and uh, the dynamic duo was finally able to, to meet together and commentate a meet because we keep having things kind of come up because obviously I got a lot of traveling for coaching as well. And or people can only uh, afford to have one person out. But um, I, I, I'm going to say it. Uh, this meet kind of put, two white lights on a map in a, in a way it hasn't been before.
0: Yeah. We got to thank him for the, uh, the publicity there. Like people, um, people were really appreciated commentary, which of, of course means a lot. Um, I actually don't think I'm great at commentary, but people enjoyed it enough where they were like, get this fucking guy off the mic and get someone else. in." then no one said that they made other comments. I uh, won't even go. I mean, I mean, I'll throw in a hot take, live, co- live, Live stream com- uh, com- comments should not be a thing. Like, I don't think they should exist. Maybe we'll talk about that in a future episode because we have other topics to cover. But yeah, I, I, those comments were getting yeah, it ridiculous. Because
1: well, I'll say it real quick: the commentary, the comments can be amazing because it can help as yeah. as a commentator to be able to see and kind of interact. But it was so ridiculous that we just ended up ignoring it. Like yeah. it was completely pointless because it was just nonstop. Just trolls the entire time. Where it was, it was better if it was just turned off at that point.
0: Yeah, and also like I mean, I'm I think we're a pro troll podcast. We did have award for biggest troll of the year, and we do recognize it. But like, I appreciate ones that are funny. It's like, holy shit, who can make the dumbest fucking joke next and think they're hilarious? Like, I can imagine a guy at like the computer, like, man, this joke fucking hit. And then nobody acknowledges it, and they there's just like 17 other comments, or I have 17 other jokes that relate to when Jamal Brown or John Hacks competing. Like I could just see that happening, but uh, yeah, like I, I may maybe it will be a hot take for another episode, or maybe on um our Two White Lights page on like why I like I don't like um uh the the <coughs> comment section. I think that should be saved for something else, but um yeah, that's that's another hot oh. take.
1: Well, talking about a hot take, I know you wanted to bring up. Let's talk about it now since yeah. we're on the hot take thing.
0: Yeah. The, the hot take from Go for it is, so Charlie Blinkley bought this up. Uh, fantastic lifter. Actually, a very early guest at Two Highlights. I think episode three, which if you want to dig right into those archives, you can. Um, the audio quality on that episode is not the best. But he bought up the weight class thing. Um, as far as lifters, I'm paraphrasing definitely because it was on a story post, so I couldn't really archive it. I should have. But should lifters be penalized for missing weights? And if they miss weight, should they be allowed to compete? And he actually put together the notion that if you miss weight, you don't get to compete in the full power and get the awards as best lifter and get money for it. You will lift as a guest lifter. Or you just don't compete at all. And I don't hate it. I actually really like the idea. It's a USAPL-esque rule, an IPF-esque rule, but I would like to see it because people declare themselves for weight classes and then they just, there's really no incentive for them to really be in that weight class because at these big showcase meets weight class battles don't matter. So I think making a matter would be, you have to hit weight for this weight class and i think it would yield better well, lifting too.
1: Here's why I think it's a fantastic idea and it's not necessarily to punish anyone Um because yes, like you said, in like the USAPL, you have to declare a weight class for nationals, not, not all meets. For nationals, you have to declare a weight class. Um, if you want to change weight classes, you have to fill out an athlete change form at, by a certain date. And if after that you miss weight, you're a guest lifter. You can compete. You can put up a total. You can do whatever you want, but you're, 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 you don't count as part of the competition. I think that would do an amazing job of keeping the untested side accountable for ridiculous weight cuts, because there'd be a punishment if you don't make weight. It would deter some people if they're kind of borderline, should I do this 20-something pound weight cut and I don't know if I can make it? Hey, I'll give it a shot. If I can't do it, who cares? I can still compete. I think it would be a really good way to keep that accountable and improve the quality of lifting to make sure that people who... You're only going to do a weight cut if you really feel feel like you're going to do it. Like If you can't do it, you're going to be deterred from wanting to go too extreme.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. That's the biggest thing for me. I mean, imagine... I'm I, I, It's stupid to say because John Hack is John Hack, but... I like what what weight can he move just if he doesn't have to weight cut? You know? Like what can John Hack do if he if he's not I, I mean we know he'll win best overall lifter, but we can see potentially some bigger weights being moved, a healthier John Hack coming in. Um I I like it and I think it's been a I think it's been a problem on the untested side for a while. Like this meet, in my opinion, is better than the showdown because more lifts were hit. It was more entertaining because of the battles. And I thought people cut too much for the showdown. Actually, I think we got some confirmation from the the crew who was working. People were in a good mood at Hybrid. They were joking around during weigh-ins. They were were energized. They were laughing. There were smiles on their faces. worth the showdown, they were like zombies because they had to cut fucking ridiculous amounts of weights to potentially win some money at this big meet that everyone was watching. And I think that... Yielded a better performance at hybrid as opposed to showdown, where the story was kind of like they're not really hitting any lifts, and it's not as entertaining when people are missing a ton of lifts.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think that I I for these big meets, I think that should be standard because I think that would really really help um, to clean up the fact that like. It's become too much of a stereotype that, and you go five for nine and six for nine on the untested side of these big meets. It's it's, it's getting it. It just is, it makes these meets a letdown where we only see one or two performances that really limits the height. Um, and I think if we could have these big meets be able to have just people hitting lifts and putting up big lifts, regardless of weight, no one cares half the time on uh, like what someone weighs if they can deadlift nine hundred pounds. No one cares. They just want to see someone deadlift nine hundred pounds.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I completely agree. I rather see a nine for nine day and good lifts go around the board. I I don't want to watch powerlifting meets to see missed lifts. I never want to see that. It's not it's it's not inter- as entertaining as made lifts. I I mean I don't think I had to because that's not exactly a hot take. I don't think I had to explain that. Um, but it's um, it's something that I like to see more of. It's something I I value just really good performances as opposed to um, your favorite lifters missing almost half their lifts. So hopefully uh, that'll yield that. And um, I'm, I'm just really hoping on the other side we don't see massive weight cuts. I mean, even on the tested side, like, that's, like, the number one thing I advise lifters not to do is a massive weight cut. And I think you see less of that. There's still people who do push boundaries a little bit on the tested side. Um, but I think a lot of those lifters get humbled to a point where they're like, yeah, I should probably move up a weight class because I'm getting my ass kicked at this uh, at this weight class that I'm trying to cut for. I mean, we've seen it a lot within the past year. So, um, excellent hot take by Charlie Binkley. He often brings some really good logic to things. I, I'm a big fan of Charlie Binkley. So, um, really good to see that. And, uh, of course, you know, we're we're a couple of USAPL guys, as evidence on the live stream. <laughs> um, uh, sorry uh, about that. Um, but... We had this idea for a show that we wanted to do such a long time and we never had the opportunity to, mainly because the IPF and USAPL wouldn't stop fighting and we had to constantly cover that uh, storyline in powerlifting, but something that you've been working on for a long time and that is projected numbers for the tested powerlifter with untested rules. So 24-hour weigh-ins, squat bar, deadlift bar, and how they would fare. Because I think it's the question people want to see. It just doesn't really happen in powerlifting aside from your uh, Duarte Edwards and um, some of your other, uh, like Michael Cole, DiPietro, uh, Ben Poor some of those guys who uh, switch between federations. You don't get to see it with a lot of other lifters. Dennis Cornelius is another one, too.
1: And it's something, too. I mean, I don't think this is a common Opinion, but there is an opinion that some untested people are like, tested lifting's boring. They just don't lift as much. The fact of the matter is, I had a gut feeling that if we accounted for all of these factors, we would probably see a bunch of tested lifters all of a sudden be in the top 25. Like we already have some. Like if, if people didn't know, Taylor Atwood has the second highest dots all time, regardless of tested or untested, behind John Hack, which is insane. Um, we also have some other ones. I think Jesse Norris is up there. He doesn't compete anymore, though. Ashton's up there. Austin's up there. Um, but that's about it. If I'm looking at top 25, um, once we start accounting for these factors, we start seeing a lot more tested lifters start jumping into the top 25 dot score. If we're using dots as the way to be able to kind of calculate this, which top 25 is a 572 or higher right now. Um, and basically, if I'm looking at it, I mean, there, there's there's. Three things that you're likely going to see if we see this crossover. Um, you're going to, one, see the possibility to cut a little bit more. And I actually went through and made calculations for everyone. And I either, one, calculated that they'd be able to cut an extra 1.5% without seeing a performance drop off. Maybe they could cut even more. But if, if they do more than another 1.5%, they're probably going to see a performance drop off. Or for someone like an Angelo Fortino, who's never had to cut for a meat and eats pasta while he is at weigh-ins, I calculated that you could do a 3% weight cut and have no difference in your total because now you get a 24-hour recon. Mm -hmm. Then add in the fact that you get a deadlift bar. I'm going to likely, I I calculated for the fact that we're probably going to see people who sumo get about 3% at least from a deadlift bar. I did 1.5% for people who were uh, doing conventional And then also for the squat bar, I'm not going to say that's going to give much of a benefit around until you're going to get into the Ashton, Dennis, Ray, and Jesus type squat levels. If you're squatting 800 plus, you're probably going to get a little bit of a bump from a squat bar, probably like a one to 2% bump. Um, As well as the fact the only way I calculated, I I looked at like a Russ. I'm kind of rambling here to an extent, but I looked at Russ. Russ probably doesn't need to cut. Like he always weighs in at 181 or 182, but instead of like cutting from 185, he could probably cut from 190 and get there and still have the same performance. Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot of factors here um, or actually better performance because we we know Russ when he's a little bit heavier, um, like right now he weighs about 200. He's able to just lift more, like it's just that, to no surprise. Um, And did that for the women as well. I went through all the women and after doing all these calculations, on average... Every lifter, if you take all of them on average, it was about a 3% bump in what their dot score was. Um, and that actually lines up pretty darn well because we have some people to kind of go off. We have Dennis Cornelius. He had a 3.83% bump when he went from USAPL originally to USPA back in what, like 2018. Um, on the women's side, we have Julia Williams. She went from 490 to 505, which is a 3.06% bump. Um, so it was very interesting looking at it. And I think we can kind of talk about from here, like there's definitely some people that are going to get more out of it than not. And like one of them, I'll throw them right from the get go. Jamar Royster would be like one of the, the people that I think if he went over to the intestine side, um, he would probably get a huge bump, not only from the fact that he could, uh, be able to recomp from his big weight cut. But the fact is we do see some people too, that we, I, like you can look at them and be like, if they just had like, oh, just a little bit longer arms, I bet their deadlift revages would just shoot up. And like Jamar's one of those. I feel like if he had a deadlift bar, I could likely see his deadlift going up 20 or 30 pounds.
0: Yeah, also on his uh, squat too. That was one thing that I was kind of thinking of is how the squat bar would affect certain lifters. I think Jamar will be benefited because he has a monster squat. I think it'll only make his squat better. And also I think I, I've talked to Ash before. Ash is really liking the squat bar. Like he just he doesn't like any whip on squat. So anytime you could minimize the amount of whip that you get, um, he enjoys it. And also he's I mean, very similar to John Hack, what he said at the hybrid, uh when he give when you give him that kabuki squat bar, he is uh he's a big fan of that and also he he has a very stable squat. So I'm I'm curious. And then, of course, Ray Williams and Jesus, like, what would they do with the squat bar would be pretty fun to watch. Uh, and I uh, that was that was the first guy that came to mind. Just not because you're the numbers guy. Me just on gut feeling. Jamar Royster, I think, would benefit from a different federation because of, I think, the weight cut. He can definitely recomp himself because he made a big weight cut to 83 and he was still top three and top five for many years or for uh, two consecutive years. And then. uh when you take into consideration his big squats and his deadlift leverage, I think uh, I think he would be a fantastic lifter on the untested side. Um, yeah, I would. If I was gonna pick one though, I would pick Ashton as my guy. It's not that big of a hot well, take, I'm but he, about he, it. my dude to like Ash... actually compete. He did the current. I think he bombed though.
1: Uh he got hurt, I believe. Maybe it was. Didn't did he do a Yolo pull on a deadlift bar recently? I'm trying to find that. Well no if he,
0: did. he does he does I mean, we can see potentially, but or you can check if you want, but um I mean the amount of times he makes his diff- his lifts way more difficult, I think, with equipment that actually yields better performance on squat bench and deadlift, he can be amazing because he tries everything currently, I guess to make his lifts harder. I mean, lifting with him on New Year's oh. Day, he high bar squat without knee sleeves, 705 for a double, close grip bench press for like 400 for like five or something, and then deadlifted close to 800 pounds with heels on conventional. Stupid stuff. Well, I,
1: I had him bumping up to an 825 squat if he had a squat bar, and then the fact is he could also cut, if he at 227 last night, maybe he could cut to 220. It wouldn't affect him at all. Just do a little water cut. And I think he probably would pull 881 on a deadlift bar. If he did that, that puts him at a 602 dot, which makes him third best all time. Yeah. Beats Larry Wheels.
0: Yeah. I I am not surprised by that, and I think he's fully capable of it. Also, I mean, the important thing to note here, which, again, this is me putting on my Natty Elitist hat. Um The three guys that we saw compete this weekend who got top three at hybrid, they were all very accomplished USAPL IPF lifters. John Hack is still one of the goats in the USAPL. That's why I consider him the goat in powerlifting because he's done it both ways. Blake LeHue was a phenomenal lifter in the USAPL and IPF for a very long time, single ply and raw. He was actually like the guy to kind of push Taylor Atwood. Um, and he had himself some really fantastic meets in the USAPL and Jamal Browner was a USAPL lifter and he was a fantastic one as well. So like there's something to this. It's it's, it's um, it's that transition there is beneficial. And I think those rules can be beneficial for a lot of current USAPL and IPF lifters.
1: Yeah. And I had on the women's side, I think Amanda Lawrence would get, a huge benefit of it oh, yeah. because one, I believe she, do, she does cut a little bit, so that would help a lot. I think she had some issues with hydration at Worlds, and she's had some issues with that before. So I think that would help her a ton, not only performance-wise. When I look at her deadlift, I I, I wish I could see what she would do on a deadlift bar. I honestly think she could pull probably 30 to 40 pounds more on a deadlift I bar. She, have, I think she'd for sure pull over 600 on a deadlift bar.
0: Have you ever seen any evidence of this? I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't think I've ever seen her try. I've never seen her do it.
1: Her her, and Daniela honestly have pretty similar deadlift leverages. And the fact that they're both incredible deadlifters, I, I would love to see them on a deadlift bar. But the fact is, Amanda, if you gave her the numbers I think she could do, she probably would shoot up to a 6'10 plus dots. And that would put her just below Steffi Cohen on the list, which is honestly more impressive to me than uh, Taylor being second overall on the men's side. For the reason that hormone use has a much bigger effect on females than it does on men, which is why we see very few women on the top like 25 on the USAPL side on dot score, because it's just very hard. But Amanda Lawrence, I think if you gave her a 24 hour way and you gave her a deadlift bar um, would be only behind Christy Hawkins, Mariana, CeCe Holcomb, Hunter Henderson, and Steffi Cohen in regards to all time best dot score.
0: Yeah, I actually one of the things is really the deadlift bar, just the nutty deadlifts you would see. Um, I think Heather Connor has has done it in the past where she's pulled on a deadlift bar, and she's noticeably stronger. Like I think her deadlift gets yeah. close to the 450 ranges, and that's ridiculous for a you know 40. She would be a 48 kilo lifter if she decided to switch federations. And we saw Maria Ramos, I believe, attempt a national record at 408 uh, in the 48 kilo weight class. So she would obliterate that, I think, with. Uh, <laughs> with a deadlift bar. Um, a lifter actually with her leverages, I can see be ridiculous with deadlift bars. Uh, Jordan Pantone.
1: Yeah, I had her on this list too. Cause yes, I think she might get a lot out of it as well as the fact that, um, I don't know if she cuts much weight. No, um, I, I think she, she doesn't. I think she'd get a lot out of that, but yes, I had her uh, gave, I mean, I mean, I was very conservative. A lot of these, I had her having a 2.7% jump um, on dot score based off of going over there. Um, it would just be very interesting. And this kind of leads to the fact that I, now that the USAPL is not part of the IPF, I think it would be really cool to have a raw unity again. And not what was kind of happening last year. Like last year was kind of this, like some of the USA USAPLs were going to do the showdown and it was more, it's an untested meet that USAPL are just going to go to. That's not the same as Raw Unity, where literally USAPL sent a team and then the untested side sent a team and they all went together. It was a different kind of setup. If there was actually like uh, cohesion there where like USPA and USAPL somehow came together and hosted a super meet with all these lifters. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I don't think it will happen, but it would be really cool.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I would, I would really like to see that. And yeah, I think the, the current landscape yields it. I mean, I actually think um on one of Russ's many, many Q and a stories that he likes to post. I think somebody asked that and he seemed to be down for it. Um, actually in the podcast, he seemed to be he, more doubt. Y- yeah, yeah. He seemed to be very
1: down for it. Now that like, he's not going to be IPF that he's going to be very open to doing a lot of things. Uh, which I think is great. And I think the USAPL, like that's good for the USAPL. Like the fact is like most of these lifters wouldn't leave the USAPL. They're going to stay because of a lot of the factors that make it so great. But having this interplay would be fantastic to be able to see. Um, And Russ would be one of the people that would shoot up. I have Russ going up to a 587 dots, which would put him, I believe, top 13 all time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, absolutely. Like think, he would be
1: very competitive.
0: You would be. I'm. That, that would I have. Mean, al- I would like to see. He him could with have a arguably. I think. In.
1: I think Jamal was a 591 das this weekend, so Russ could arguably have gotten third at the hybrid.
0: Yeah, I think he could. I it, well, for me, it's. I mean, I, I mean, on deadlift too. I think everyone will get benefit from the deadlift bar if they train with it. I think everyone will see a nice gain there. But of course, big squatter. I would assume the squat bar works for him. But the big thing for me is that 24-hour weigh-in. Like, that's just such a huge factor that people don't take credit for. I mean, the guy I know who's been able to manipulate that rule very well with his years in the untested side, I mean, on the tested side, was Michael Cole Pietro. Like, he really takes advantage of that when he does meets like Power Surge and the Gross Strong Hoosier Cup. He cut down a little bit more than he was used to. He got a little bit leaner, but he recomps so well that he has a very good rebound from it, and I think a lot of lifters on the USAPL has it down so well that they can do it. Your boy, Sean Noriega, he, he, like, he, he's a very good weight cutter himself, and he's got a very smart approach to it. If you give him maybe a little bit more room to sit in the off season, cut down to 82.5, recomp, I don't think anything will be taken off his lifts, and also, I think he'll be very good with a deadlift bar. Squat bar, I don't know. For some reason, I just... I don't see him ever squatting with the squat bar.
1: No. So I'm going to first go on Michael. He got a 4.3% bump going from tested to untested. That's pretty easy to calculate was since that, he did it. Was that wrapped though? I'm doing, I'm doing the ghost strong, not okay. the wrapped one. Okay. Yes. I'm looking at the go strong when he did the, uh, non-wrapped meat. He did raw since he did the Midwest prime time. Then went over. Yeah. 4.3% boost. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, Sean, well, the fact is that the squat bar. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't think it really helps many people until you start getting those heavier weight classes. Not only for one, there's the total weight lifted on the bar, um, but two, the fact that it's just bigger. Like if you're a small, if you're if you're like 181 or lower, it's not a very comfortable bar to squat with. Have you squatted with it before?
0: Yes. When I, I squat have you I don't, low bar squatted though. Hmm. Um. Reese. I, the. Uh... So after Raw Nationals, I was planning on doing Power Surge, but I wasn't able to do it. I squatted the first three weeks with it. I think it took six oh six with it. It wasn't. It was different, but it was nothing totally different. Maybe maybe if I put yeah, some more tonnage it, on it, it would be. But it was. <laughs> it felt relatively the same.
1: Yeah, it's it's probably not going to do much um, for most people. Honestly, I'm going to argue something. I don't think it would actually help Ray Williams much. It may actually hurt him. That's actually, Because yeah, one thing that. That's a good point. One thing people people don't realize. I actually wanted to comment this because, I mean, I, people are always saying Sean's a cheater because of his arch. I don't think people realize what Ray does with a power bar. He times it perfectly. That's why you see him kind of do this slow, hesitant descent, and then all of a sudden speed it up he times the rebound perfectly so that the bar whips and helps him explode out of the hole. And you see him fly out of the hole and then hit a sticking point about halfway up when that bar then whips back down on him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've actually noticed that recently with actually the first, uh, when you bought it up, the dead, um, his squat video that he just posted, uh, today, I think, um, was, yeah, I, I have seen that before. Um, the, the squat bar would not be forgiving on that. Um, Curious how Jesus would do such a I think Jesus would do
1: better because Jesus has a more controlled squad overall
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: I don't think Jesus tries to time the whip as much
0: yeah absolutely all right so who would be your top three if you were to send a team who would be your three candidates or is that a stupid question because it's just gonna be the three strongest candidates
1: well (laughs) it's probably just gonna be the three strongest we're sending Taylor and we're sending Ashton um I mean, if I'm picking the people that I that, like, I'm look, I am I, I took the list of like, I had uh, 15 women and I had 21 men that I took from kind of like the top list of each weight classes. If I was going to pick the ones that I think would get the absolute most out of it and like, it would be like game changing for them. I'd pick Jamar. I'd pick Ashton because I think, because he never cuts. So the fact that he could cut, gets a squat bar and gets a deadlift bar would be massive for him. And then... For my third, uh,
0: I guess Jamar. Okay, here's two here case.
1: no here's one that we haven't talked about that I, I realized because of dots makes a big difference. I'm picking Dan Clements, so I'm going Jamar, I'm going Ashton, and I'm going Dan Clements. Something about uh, the dot score with that lower weight class absolutely makes his dot score go crazy. He had a five point seven two percent bump. From oh. the changes I made with him of getting the cut, of getting a deadlift bar, which I predicted with a deadlift bar, he could probably go 726. Since, I mean, he can deadlift 700. He just lost balance a little bit. If he did that, his dot score goes up to 595. Um, he had the biggest effect of versus Taylor, only bumped up six points because for some reason it didn't help Taylor that much adding like the 30 pounds I gave him with a deadlift bar and with the weight cut extra. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, that, that's a, that's a solid point there. I mean, I mean, if Dan Clements also wants to help out here, he could uh, hold on to some curtains if he wanted to in the weigh-ins. Uh, if yeah. You, if he wanted to really so. help that body weight dots uh, <coughs> formula
1: on the women's side, it's going to be Amanda Lawrence, Heather Connor. And then, cause Heather would get one Heather. I don't think cuts very much. So therefore oh. she actually got to cut. That would be huge. Um, and she gets the deadlift bar, which I think she would pull it buttload on the deadlift bar and then my I, I debate on the third one. It would either be, I want to say Daniela, but I'm not going to say her because we haven't seen her compete in so long, so I don't have a good frame of reference. And um, I don't think that's a good one to pick right uh, now.
0: I have a good frame of reference. I lifted with her, we lifted with her on Friday, and that is the strongest female I've ever seen lift in person. I know she hasn't competed to oh, just
1: Do we want to dis- discuss what happened on Friday?
0: Well, I thought that as soon as I saw her deadlift, her deadlift was an easy 500, and I'm like, whole I, I honestly, because you know, I don't, not not the misogynist in me speaking. I don't really lift with females too often. Um, I'd never seen one or a female lifter in person that strong. It was seriously incredible to watch because she moved it effortlessly, and it was a very simple deadlift. And also, yes, if we want to bring it up. We were deadlifting the same weight and she was doing it for more reps.
1: No, benching, benching the same weight.
0: Am I sorry? I'm sorry. For,
1: she was doing it for more. She was obviously benching way more than me. I was benching like 80 kilos and she was benching 120 kilos. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, she did the same as you and did more reps.
0: Yes, I was about to strip that. Now, that I guess that's a misogynist in me. Um, I was about to strip the weight a little bit down and have her uh, like, oh, what weight do you want? It's like, oh, no, same thing. I'm like, fuck her. Okay. Uh, and then she did it for like six months uh, and I was doing it for three. I, so, yeah, I would just put her just because. I could go Daniela.
1: I'm I'm actually going to go Sam Calhoun, though. Um, I actually had hers a pretty big bump for two reasons. One, we saw what not cutting weight at the uh, Virginia Pro did for her. She had a, fin- she, all of her lifts were bumped up about five kilos. So if I take her potential... Of that higher weight, and I allow her to cut the weight and be able to recomp, I figure that's going to help. She can be able to get down to their normal one thirty seven and hit these weights and give her a deadlift bar that I think she would get a lot of benefit out of. I'm going to go Amanda, Sam Calhoun, Heather Connor as my team. I take
0: that is a solid team. I I mean, there's no really debate there. I thought it was going to be a better question than it was, but then I just realized like it's mostly the strongest lifters in the USAPL. It's like not going to be like it is to an extent. No no, you're not gonna get some surprise in there. Like I was expecting you to say something surprising, like, uh fucking That's uh let who who should we pick on <laughs> before I bring up oh, someone okay. I don't know. <laughs> who should we pick on, like, Pug doesn't
1: have to uh, cut anymore. Pug can recomp. <laughs>
0: that's, actually, that's a very good point. Yeah, maybe he I think if he does have the USAPL uh record. He has some record in one eighty one uh for deadlift, I think.
1: But you mean USPA? Yeah. Let's I actually did, look, because that's actually yeah. a good frame of reference, because well, yes, well, he, has gone o- he has gone
0: over. Well, he did... Uh, he I went US... He, I think he did, like, 7... Actually, this is... 21?
1: Per- okay. So, uh, he didn't cut, though, so he, uh, he only okay, went to well, 167. Bye. So,
0: he attempted to cut, and it was a terrible fucking idea, so he came in heavy. I but remember he de- this. But he
1: deadlifted...
0: 36 more pounds. Yes, he did. Um I do remember I actually remember this vividly because it was right after I had him on the show for the first time and he deadlift he told me he was going to try to break the uh the record or something on deadlift uh at a USPA meet and then he didn't cut or he just stopped cutting weight because it was it was stupid to do so. But um yeah, I I guess that's not a surprise there. Uh f- yeah. I guess yeah, I guess that'll be the solid pick on a candidate, because I was like, who do I know enough to say, well, that's out of left field, and who do, or, and, uh, like, where they won't get offended. But I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting with that question. Like, who are the top three? Uh, the three really strong people in both the male and female classes. That's, that's probably who.
1: To an extent, but I think there are some that, like, there are some people who are, like, Taylor, he doesn't like, I I, yeah, I don't think he, he gets as much. There's yeah, some people he, are just there's that are really strong that are just gonna get more out of it because of either the fact that deadlift leverages are gonna help a bunch or the fact that they don't have to wait cut is gonna help a bunch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could agree with that. But um it's nice to finally do this. We've been kicking this round for a while and this I think this always comes up and when we talk, it's just like, Man, imagine that guy with a twenty four hour weigh in, how good he'll be. Even though I think twenty four hour weigh ins are stupid and I hate them. And they should not be a thing. Might so, we, so I mean, you're our, saying
1: we should do what would ha, we should do what the untested lifters do if they can't do a 24 hour if they have to do a two hour weigh in
0: two hour weigh ins with no IVs. Yes, it won't. It won't it on won't. a stiff bar. On a stiff bar and uh, IPF judges.
1: Joe <laughs> Joe Sullivan would pull
0: 550. <laughs> 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 yeah, pro- probably. That was good. That was a good one to sneak in there at the hour 20 mark of this episode. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it could be a future episode. I mean, we already did this one because, well, I mean, we already had had the hot take, 24-hour weigh in should be a thing. And you know what? Not a lot of people on the untested side really disagreed with that, <laughs> which is kind of telling. Um, but uh, unless there's anything to add, I think we could wrap up this installation of two white lights. All right, that's all I got. I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm good, too. Um, we are trying to work on some interviews for the following days and weeks uh, with some of the lifters at Hybrid. Um, I really want to get Blakely on. Of course, I want to get John Hack down uh, and get an interview in just to discuss the, the fist bump not heard around the world, the snub heard around the world. But, of course, uh, we've been trying to land him for a very long time, and we got four minutes of John Hack officially on two white lights. So that's, that's always good. And also if he, if he snubs me on a fist bump, you, you can't see it cause it's a podcast. So that'll be, that'll be- I'll,
1: I'll be on it on purpose and I'll record it.
0: Okay. That's, that's, <clears throat> I expect nothing less. I think he might, I think he actually might like you more than me. That's actually probably true because for the first interview, he just came down and was like, Hey, you're Steve DeNovi, right? I'm like, fuck you dick <laughs> he does was, follow you now though it looks like no he doesn't he still doesn't follow me he no he me. does i look today does he
1: he follows you
0: yes I'm, he snuck that in, uh, in with all the other follows uh, you sneaky sneaky bastard holmander very good <laughs> all right well that's you're your now job. followed by john hack finally motherfucker it took a long time i thought i was definitely gonna get one after i met him in person but uh Yeah, well, we're trying to work on him as well. Also, we got a coach-client confidential with Joe Stanek coming up. It's going to be a mid-block one with me. He is coming down for an in-person interview. I'm very excited for that. Um, And, of course, we are actually – I don't know, should we say it? Because I'm afraid another podcast is going to steal it if we say it. Actually, this will make them not steal it. We – power rankings. We want to come up with these power rankings – the thing is, Steve made a power rankings list that upset me so much that I've been going back and forth and ranking people, and it's really fucking hard to power rank people. It's it's almost impossible. Well, yeah, and also, your guy, your, your boy Sean here, my boy too, I'm saying your boy because he's your coach, he competed and now he completely fucked my power rankings up because I wanted to take him out of the ranking that you had him, and now I might put him higher <laughs> based on power rankings. So... Well, someone. you've also
1: got Bob in your power rankings twice. <laughs> well,
0: well, here's what you did. that piss, You should have just left me a blank slate because you put all of your picks onto my picks on the Google thing. So I had to like, like, oh, okay, maybe I could, I'm like, we're going to have relatively the same power ranking and we're not, we're going to have very different ones if I really go and do it because yours are probably gonna be more accurate because yeah. you use the actual data. Deleted. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So I can actually work on this. I will Delete. I will work on, will this. Did, uh, well, will work on okay. this while I'm at work tomorrow,
1: which it's going to be a very... So what we're going to do is we're going to have my power rankings and Angelo's, and are we even going to show them the difference? Because what we're going to do is we're going to take, just like like power rankings usually go, is we're going to take the average score of each and then rank it off of that. So if, like, you rate Russ four and I rate him three, it's 3.5. That's his placing. And then that's going to then go based off of that.
0: Well, yeah. Well, no, I mean, we can do whatever you – I was just, like, looking at the po- – I didn't think – I think it was – I was just <clears throat> going to be a nice two-white-lights content to get to people because people love power rankings. I'm a big fan of – I'm a power rankings guy, big power rankings guy. But I saw, I saw your power rankings. I'm like, I want to, like – debate this with him so much now. And I didn't think I was going to want to do that. And now I want to, and I'm like, I guess we have to record it if yeah, yeah that's, if that's the case. So we'll have to squeeze okay. that one in there somewhere, but we got to get these power rankings out and we got to, we got to get some stuff going, but uh, should be a relatively busy two to three weeks for two white lights. Again, with those interviews and uh, people we want to have on, thank you for tuning in. Also again, big thank you, Got to do this at the end of the show. Hybrid for having us out, commentating the meet, and also Garrett for putting on a fantastic meet. This is the new wave of powerlifting, and I'm very excited to see it. More meet directors who are newer, younger, getting into the mix, and also listening to people in their feedbacks. I love to see it. The sport is moving in the right direction. 2022 is off with a very, very good start, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.